It's been a long time, Sean, but we're back with another episode of the Field Podcast. Sean, what's going on? What's up, CJ? I know it's been a minute. Um, both of us have kind of been busy. Uh, I know you You said you started a new internship this summer, so I, I know you're, you're kind of full go with that right now, but I'm glad to be back on with you. I uh, have a great guest coming today. Um, hopefully, we'll get another podcast out in the, in the coming week or weeks, and you know, just glad to be back. How you been? I've been good, man. Yet, like like Sean just alluded to, we have a great episode for you guys. Uh, uh, a basketball player who was all conference this past year, so that'll be interesting to see uh, his transition to the Division One level as he played Division Two last year. But like you just said, internship uh, with the Buffalo Bills up here in Buffalo. Uh, it's been uh, slow to start, but I'm sure it'll pick up as training camp uh, begins to get underway. But we haven't been on in a while, and you know we're both big basketball guys, so we, it would be remiss for us to not talk about the playoffs and what transpired. Uh, so, what are just your thoughts on the playoffs and then specifically the finals? My initial takeaway has been that not I can't say it doesn't matter this year. This year because it does every year matter matters with you know when it comes to the rings and stats and everything, but. You know, this year was just hard to, you know, fully say that the Bucks were the best team, in my opinion. Obviously, they won the championship and everything, and I don't want to take away what Giannis did because, you know, I have been kind of not a Giannis hater, but, like, you know, people don't really like to watch his game. However, he took over and did what he needed to do and, you know, won a championship on, on his own. Like, he didn't go to a super team, didn't form a super team. You know, he has Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, but – no, nobody would say they're a super team by any means, but I think a lot of, uh, you know, there were a lot of injuries this playoffs, these playoffs, there were a lot of, you know, COVID things going on still and just a weird year in general, especially for the NBA. You didn't see the, the big name teams, the big name players even in, in the finals. Um, so it, it, it was unique because it was kind of refreshing to see that, but it was also, it kind of makes you wonder like, can they do this at a consistent level? Are the Lakers and the Nets going to be back next year? Who, you know, are moving parts this off season, what's going to happen. But I thought it was good to see, you know, two new teams kind of, you know, face off and Giannis, you know, answered when, when we, you know, we're, we're calling on him. So I thought it was, it was cool to see him get a championship. Although I'd like to see Chris Paul get one. For sure. 110%. I think from like a fan perspective, Obviously, we were robbed from uh, from seeing some of the stars, whether it was Harden, Kyrie, uh, LeBron at 100%, Steph obviously lost in a playoff game, 80. It's a, it's a litany. Kawhi, you know, I can go on and on. It's about the guys who uh, either got the times cut short or just didn't play at all this postseason. However, I think from a basketball fan perspective, it was probably one of the most fun postseasons I've had to watch just based off of um, seeing all these new guys um, arise to the occasion and, and I don't know, uh, put their stamp on their – point in this league I mean whether it goes from D book to Luca again showing that he's one of those he's one of those ones he's not one to be messed around with uh obviously Trey Young um put his name in that conversation as well this is a bunch of guys I can go on and on obviously Giannis and Chris Middleton just um putting their best foot forward and dominating on their way to a championship so I think from a basketball perspective it was kind of cool just to see outside of like the normal Steph uh, Steph, LeBron, and um, and KD dominating. It was cool to see some of the the lesser known names um, get some love this year. Do you think this was a playoffs where I can't say passing of a torch because LeBron's his era was with like Dwayne Wade, Melo, who are all 
you know, either out of the league or like halfway out of the league. LeBron's, you know, still in his, you can't say his prime anymore, but, you know, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. And, you know, Kevin Durant's probably Kawhi Leonard. They're the next era. And then now you kind of got the D book, the Trey Young, the, you know, Giannis is probably in that category as well. Luca, do you think it was more of a, you know, this is what we're going to kind of deal with now is LeBron either getting bounced in the first round, not making to the finals. Uh, you know, the East, we're kind of seeing, you know, maybe the Nets, but also you have these young guys, Trey Young, you have uh, Giannis, you have all these other teams that have some young superstars or soon to be superstars. Is, is Did that kind of come to your mind at all? Because I know it did for me. It did. It did 110%. But I think after I sat back and looked on it and thought about it a little bit, I think more so than ever, this just shows that the league is just so damn talented. And I think it'll be it's so hard to have that same grasp on um, a league as LeBron did for the decade, um, this past decade, or Jordan did in the 90s, where you can just literally just one player dominates um, the way they did. And obviously, don't get it twisted. The Lakers probably come out of the West this year if LeBron and AD are healthy, right? But LeBron also was missing a um, a star player or two in the East a couple of years ago with Kyrie and Love being out and still found his way in the finals. That, that didn't work out this time around. And I think that goes to show you that the league is just getting better. So I think, yeah, it's a, a little bit of a passing the torch, but more so than ever, the league is so like good now. Like there's quality players and teams that aren't making the playoffs these days just because of how good the league is. So I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway. Absolutely. I completely agree. I, I think this is... We have this conversation, I think, every time is that the NBA is is probably the best it's ever been, which probably is not an it shouldn't be an argument. There's so many talented players. There's so many, you know, you watch the Cavs, Colin Sexton can have 40 one night and they still lose, but he's just such a good talent. It's you know, people like people are calling on him for trades and things like that. And he he's on a team that's one of the worst in the NBA. But you know, you see all these young guys, you know, that are getting bounced in the first round, aren't making the playoffs. It's pretty exciting to see. And the league's in good hands regardless of LeBron or, you know, whoever is kind of on the back end of their career and see, seeing what they will do in, the, in their future. But yeah. Interesting. Is there is there any, you know, now that the NBA Finals is over, draft starts. I know I think people will probably hear this. The draft will be tonight if that's the case. Um, offseason, big offseason for a lot of teams. Um What's your thoughts on what will happen draft offseason in the NBA? I think there's a there's three big storylines I think I'm kind of like following right now. One, this Ben Simmons thing. Obviously, it's been about a month since Philly's been eliminated, I want to say. But and obviously Ben Simmons didn't have the best of playoff runs, but he's clearly still an all-star caliber guy, star guy. I'm interested to see how that all works out. A report came out today that they're only trading him for a, a hardened S package, which basically means like eight years of picks and, a, and another like star player or something like that. I'm interested to see how that turns out. I'm interested to see how the Dame situation unfolds because for all these years, he's been deemed as this loyal guy, loyal to Portland. You know, I'm never leaving. I'm going to try and win it here. But obviously he sees that it's very hard to win in this day and age, as we just alluded to, the league is ta- more talented than ever. So I'm interested to see when he gets back from Tokyo, what happens, right? But then tomorrow night, I'm interested to see um, what my Warriors do, not Warriors, what Steph gets in terms of the Bradley Bill rumors are like flying all over the damn place. And like these rumors are like like Bill being a warrior and like, are they willing to give up seven? You know, there's a lot of this stuff. So those are the three storylines that I'm focused on. But um, the, the NBA has, as, as always, dominates the offseason because they have a bunch of storylines that goes on every year.
Absolutely. I think those are all very pressing and, and good points. It, as a Warriors fan, I'm probably one of the bigger Warriors fan. I Steph fan. Um, do you want Bradley Beal? I think a lot of people are going to say, I think you're going to say yes. What are you willing to give up? And what is too much, I should, I guess. I'm going to ask the same question to you, but I want to know what the Cavs think about giving up Sexton. Because uh, in terms, because I'm seeing a lot of stuff on that too, because a lot of people feel like I'm kind of undervaluing Sexton. And I understand he's about to get a max, like he wants max money, but this down the third. But as a uh, as a guy who uh, is a fan of Steph and therefore a, a fan of the Warriors as well, I think uh, I think depth is kind of overrated. I think kind of draft picks are overrated kind of to a certain extent. Like you need stars. And if the, the Warriors think that they're going to get that Steph who averaged 35 and like eight, the, like the last three months of the year again, they're out of their damn mind. So I know there'll be a smaller backcourt per se, but I just saw D book and uh, Chris Paul go to an NBA finals and Chris Paul is about 5'11 and D book, although maybe on the taller side, isn't the most physical guy on earth. So uh, yeah, I think a lineup of Beal, Thompson, Steph, Draymond, and you find a, a big and a couple guys off the bench. I think that's a, with, the, with Kawhi being out presumably next year, I think that's a top four team in the West. So hell yeah, go all in for him. But I'm interested to see what you think about what the Cavs should do with Sexton because there's a lot of rumors flying out with that. Trade him. <laughs> I think uh, I think for the Cavs, their biggest situation right now is obviously the Sexton and his contract, but also Garland and who do you prioritize more? Um, and I think kind of what we've seen the past was this was Garland's second year, right? So I. NBA players, usually you kind of figure out who they are by their third year. Mm -hmm. So for Garland, it's almost like, do you wait? Do you wait it out with him and Sexton? And, you know, do you see what Garland can do? Can they play together? They're both undersized guards. Sexton's not a really a point guard. Um, so it's kind of hard for them to, to gel together. Um, so it's kind of from that standpoint, do you wait it out? Or, you know, if I'm the Cavs, I, I would ideally love them to hold on to this third pick, uh, take Mobley, and then trade to get back into the top 10 and kind of get another younger piece because you have so many young guys and there's, there's no pressure to win right now. However, I do think there is a lot of pressure to be better. You don't want to end up in the top three next year, especially after, you know, you say you, you stay at three and you pick Mobley or Green Suggs, whoever it may be. Um, you're, you're, you, you have to be better the next year. You have, you know, three picks in the past, however many years that are top 10 and you've been really bad the past couple of years. So, um, there's a lot of pressure on them to win a little bit more than they have in years past. I think for Sexton, the biggest thing is, uh, who do you prioritize more as an organization, Sexton or Garland? Um, I would say Garland. I think Sexton's value is at its highest it'll ever be right now. And um, like the, I've seen the Knicks, the Thunder, a few other teams have been asking about him. Um, and like you said, he's going to have to, he's going to be a max player. He's going to be a high contract, at least, you know, near the max. Um, and do you want to pay an undersized point guard or an undersized two guard? who can't really play defense. Um, do you want to pay him a max amount of money, especially with another undersized guard? So just the biggest thing has to be who are you prioritizing more at that point? I agree wholeheartedly with that. I just want to see where you're going with that, uh, your, your thoughts on that. Because that's a – obviously, you're on Twitter a lot, and you see, like, draft Twitter, Cavs Twitter, whatever. That's a big thing that they're uh, debating about. Do you keep sex and do you get rid of them? But I agree. And 
I think Philly kind of ran into the same issue with uh, Ben Simmons, like wanting to prolong and see how long they, that Simmons and Embiid can play together. But I think it's kind of safe to say at this point they can't. But now Simmons' is, Simmons value is as low as it's ever been. And now Philly's kind of stuck. I feel like the Cavs, although we're not nearly as good as they are, you want to sell high as opposed to um, way too late. And now you're either losing him for nothing or you're overpaying a guy. And then now down the road, it ruins the rest of your assets. I agree. And I think for the Cavs, this has to be the perfect time to trade him if you're going to, because, you know, Philly kind of has had a little bit of pressure the past four years to win because those guys have gotten older and played together and they've added some good pieces, um, some veteran pieces. And, you know, the Cavs, they look like they're in no rush to do, to do any of that, to add veteran pieces and, you know, to put prior, to put, winning as a big priority within their organization, at least, you know, for the next year or two. Um, so I think now is the time to make that trade because like you said, the more you prolong it, the more you don't really emphasize winning, you know, probably the worst people will end up being as a player, as opposed to, you know, kind of going all in, giving these guys the, the pieces around them to make them look better. Um, so I think, like you said, now is probably the perfect time to trade him. If you do so, would you, would you trade him? I don't think the Sixers would do this. Would you trade him and maybe some other package to, to Philly which for Ben Simmons? Would you, as a Cavs fan, want Ben Simmons? I feel like, uh, depending on the package, but, I, but there's no chance Philly entertains that without number three getting involved. And I think at that <laughs> point, they can – no, I'm, I'm cool on this. It's because I think that um, – I think Mobley – presumably is going to be the guy that falls at three, I assume. Um, I, 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 Mobley's going to be cheaper for the next four years, first off, so it allows you to build around him if he turns into that star. Um, outside of Sexton and, and obviously Garland, I don't know that any other like big asset that we have that Philly would really care about. So you would have to give up number three, and at that point I'm going to take Mobley long-term being a cheaper guy over Ben Simmons. So, no, I'm not entertaining. I don't even, I'm not even throwing an offer to Philly, and I doubt they entertain that shit anyways. No, although they, they Colin Sexton would be perfect for them, though, although he will be perfect for them, he would be like that, that's what, the Knicks. I don't think he's great for the Knicks because I don't think him and Julius Randle are all that you know, and they don't have really a wing that's all that great either, or even a two guard. Um, Philly, I think, would be a decent fit for him. I, I just don't, I'm not really sold on him being a great player, although he had a great year this past year and continues to improve, but he's better than Ben Simmons for their, for their team, I think. If Philly could find a way, because they got Thibault and you got Harris, you got Curry. If they could find a way to get a bigger guard next to him, like Alonzo, and then I know Alonzo's, if you get Sexton, there's no way you can get Alonzo too. But if you can get just like a bigger guard next to him that can handle some of the point guard duties, Philly. So last question I have for you. Say the Cavs get Mobley tomorrow, tonight, whenever. Um, what is their – do they have any chances – of making the playoffs what is the projection for them day one this is not even day one this is day negative one what is what is your opinion on the Cavs this next season I think next year will be playing caliber I, I, like automatic top six I guess you can say uh no Sam chance in hell just because um the top four will solidify and then Boston's clearly gonna I think Brad Stevens gonna get them um um continue to prove upon with them um 
I don't know what Chicago's going to do with Levine per se, but presuming he stays, I feel as if they a little bit better than us because they have the best player in Vucevic isn't that far off either. But um, I like if Okora can take another step, um, Jared Allen, the full year in our system. It's a solid roster and we're training in the right direction. Just hopefully the guys continue to develop, but playoff spot, unless, and I know we were big Hawks guys before they were blowing up. I just don't see a Trent Young on this roster unless Garland takes that step. So we'll see. I agree. I, I think playing is probably their, their ceiling, I should say. I don't know, ceiling, uh, maybe eight seed playoff, somehow get lucky. And, you know, it's basketball. You could get lucky in two games. Um, but I don't know. That, this is the biggest year for, I think, one, their head coach, two, their GM, just because, you know, third year of Garland, who's probably your core, one of your core guys that you probably aren't really trading or luring around there in trades. Jared Allen, one full year in the system. Akuro, his second year after an all-rookie season. I think he was like second team all-rookie. Um, and yeah, I mean, Larry Nance, they have like, Kevin Love's not really much of anything, but you know, a leader, a leader that can kind of has won a championship. Um, maybe they bring in, uh, you know, a, a low-end veteran guy that could play the wing to kind of spare Akuro some minutes. And then, you know, if their, their pick doesn't turn out to be all that good this year or it doesn't seem like it's working with Sexton and Garland, if they, they do keep it, um, I think it's kind of a telling sign for what they'll do as an organization is in firing most of their, their staff. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. see. Go Browns. Hey, a couple episodes, a couple episodes from now, we'll get into the Brownies and how they're going to have a hell of a year. But that's neither here nor there. We'll get to that when we get there. Um, once again, you guys are going to hear from a, a great guest, a good friend of ours. He has an interesting story. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. you hear from him shortly after this commercial break. So back after the break, we're joined here with our guy, right hand, you know, when the Eagle High with us, Tommy Schmack. Um, he did four years at Finley, and now he's doing his graduate year at OU, the Bobcats. So, Tommy, welcome to the pod. Glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, what's going on? Um, just wanted to start off with, you know, fill us in on your summer. How has this transition been to OU? How long you've been there? Um, what's the schedule like right now? Just kind of let us know what's up, what's going on down in Athens. So I was uh, back at Finley actually for the beginning of summer, like working camps and doing workouts and stuff. And then around like late June, that's when I decided to go in the portal. And then went on a visit, probably the end of June. And then that's where I got the offer from OU. And I committed like the next day and then moved down like that next week. So since like early July, I've been here. We have workouts five days a week, lifting four days and just, you know, getting accustomed to the big university feel and, you know, our teams, like how they run things. Right. Similar to Finley, but a little different. Is that, is that like the five days a week? Is that kind of what you guys did at Finley too? Or was it, is it different in the summer? I don't know, like the rules with D1 or D2. You can do anything in the summer besides open gym if a recruit's playing. So we rarely, we would have like four a year for the summer. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is a lot different, like having all this stuff we can do. Now, when you entered the portal, what did you say, like June? Yeah. All right. When you entered it, did you have like, I don't know if you can answer this truthfully or not. Did you have like an idea of, 
you know, what teams, where you wanted to go, or was it more of like, just kind of like testing the waters type thing? Um, it was like testing the waters, but I knew I wanted to try if a school would take me to like a, a D1, like around the area. I didn't want to go too far and OU was like the perfect fit. Do you have any other schools? I mean, I know you said you committed pretty quickly once you got an offer, but do you have any other schools that were kind of hitting you up or anything? With like Kennesaw State in Georgia, uh, Coastal Carolina, Indiana State, and then Kent. But they all wanted me to come down and that it was, I was already committed by the time that stuff all went through. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, knowing you personally, you're like a competitive guy or you like to think you are. Um, did you always want to play uh, Division One ball? Because I know coming out of high school, you um, you committed to Finley. But did, was it always your dream to end up at the Division One level? Um, I would say no. I I was perfectly content with playing D two my four years, but with this COVID year and I already graduated, it seemed like it was just meant to be. Might as well. I've already spent four years at one school, and I played all four years. It's not like I redshirted. So, I mean, then it was like, okay, let me play D1. Real quick, did you and Finley on good terms? Like, are you and the the staff, like, on good terms and stuff like that? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it wasn't the easiest conversation. I mean, they weren't, like, fully accepted with it. But, no, I was really close with them. So, I don't see there being any bad blood. And I'm real close with my teammates still. So, that's not an issue. I was going to say, because you were pretty – you had a pretty successful career at Finley. Obviously, Finley's like a storied program. You guys produce a lot of professionals overseas and a few guys have made it, you know, cups of coffee in the NBA or whatever the saying is, but um, pretty successful program. And obviously you had a big part in the past four years of, of being there. Um, I was just curious, like how, how did, you know, that process for you, was it tough kind of leaving Finley, you know, getting, you know, you, you play another fifth year, you might be the one of the greatest players in Finley history, you know, so to say. So was that a hard decision to make from that standpoint? Yeah. Like when my season ended, I was hearing from people, not like actual coaches, but I was hearing like, you, you can go play at division one level. Like, cause I didn't even know that like I could like go in the portal as a fifth year. But once I find out you could, I was like still against it. But then being back in Finley in June, it was almost like I would have like so much regret if I didn't, at least try right that was like the the biggest thing I think is like obviously you see some guys like Kofi Coburn just put his name in the portal had all these offers and, and then he just went right back to Illinois so like you kind of see a lot of guys with, with this COVID year and this exception with transferring and everything um you know at least trying it and why not and if you can come right back yeah I mean and hurting anybody. the option to come back too which is good yeah so obviously OU had a good tournament run. Part of that reason was, uh, is it Jacob Preston? Jason. Jason. I think there's J in there somewhere. Yeah. So Jason Preston, Lil' Mello, um, their point guard, a big reason as to why they went pretty far last year, had a decision to come back around in the draft. Did that have any impact on, on your decision to go to OU? Um, I think he's going to the draft now for sure, but, you know, Talk about that a little bit, I, I guess. Um, I thought going there, like I said, I thought I did well in the open gym on my visit. And with him saying that I could help, I thought if he came back, we would be like really good and be able to 
do like a deep tournament run like they did last year, even further maybe. So that like kind of compelled me. But if he didn't come back, it was like I'd have a bigger role. So it was kind of like a win-win situation for me. Well, it's kind of like a similar situation, you know, from when you were a junior, going to be a senior in high school. But, you know, I went to John Carroll at the NBA. <laughs> I couldn't come back to play high school for my fifth year. Um, so you had to step in and yeah. you had to take over. So it was very similar. You've yeah, been in that same. position before. Uh-huh. I, I see that the dots. I see it, playing. I see it. Uh-huh. Very yeah, similar game. Our senior year. So I'm, I might have been filling his void. He, Carl wants to play football. Come on. He's a football player. He, he, don't get him talking about his jumper and things like that. Cause the past four years, five years, whatever it is, like CJ will probably go to the rec once or twice. And I get a text saying like, I still got it. Still I still got it. probably play. Hey, Sean dad held me back. That's all I'm gonna say. That's <laughs> me too. Yeah. We've all. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, so Talking about St. Ed's, obviously all three of us played together for a few years. Um, for you, Tommy, I know when you came into Ed's, me being a sophomore, I think a lot of people knew who you were around the area, especially. Um, I'm not sure how, like if it was between Ed's Ignatius, like wherever, I, how did that decision, because you weren't always an Ed's guy, I don't think. No. I don't know the connection, but no. how did your, what was your decision to go to St. Ed's? How was that experience? Uh, it was mainly because of the coaches like Flan and Gallagher. I just thought they were like the most, not going to say like real, but just the most like coaches, like, like a college team. Uh, I, my brothers went to Hoyne and Padua and they're not like really big basketball schools. So then it was just, Ed's made sense. No, uh, gotcha. Is the- how did St. Ed's uh, prepare you for the collegiate level? Cause obviously I think, not just like the academic portion of ads, but like being a football yeah. guy and then obviously on the basketball side, like playing with Coach Flan and like just playing with like the, the talent that you had around you for your four years there. Like what aspects of that helped you out at Finley and then now at OU? I thought practices were the main thing. I mean, our practices at St. Ed's are still, even being at OU, they're still the toughest practice that I've went through, like conditioning wise, like the amount of playing we did. And I think just, like the principles Flan taught, like defense principles, like gap, help, that prepared me. So like day one at Finley, like I was ahead of the other guys because they weren't really taught much like that in high school. Did you see a lot like that, that's an interesting point. So did you see, I'm sure you might even see it now OU with the younger guys, especially, do you see like yourself being mentally like higher uh, yeah, I don't know, but just like a little bit better mentally than some other people, not necessarily because of high school, but now that you have four years under your belt, is that something that you oh, kind of yeah. notice? So like yeah. at OU during our practices, we have to go through like closeouts, just shell drill kind of stuff. And we have two freshmen who like are a little behind and I've, I've kind of just caught right up and it's no different than being at Finley or even being at Ed's. And just right. seeing where they've came from, like they need to learn a little bit. They're two studs. Like they'll be great players down the road. But your how your senior year did you got high school? Did you guys make it to you guys went to states? Yeah. yeah. Where did you guys end up losing? Uh, Final four to Jackson. And they won it, right? Yep. Gotcha. That Jackson team was pretty good, though, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Team was nice. Oh, oh yeah. Grant was you good. had. 
Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you saying? Uh, Kyle Young was – the Ohio State kid was – like, Grant was guarding him, and he was, like, a freshman, like 100 yeah. Kyle Young actually had, like – I don't know if he's still playing or whatnot, but, like, he actually had a great career if he's yeah, not. He, I think he's doing one more year. Okay. He – I don't know. He just gets a lot of love from all the announcers and everything because he's just that little, like – not little, but, like, <laughs> just that dude that gets every board and just, like, crazy. Scrappy. What's his name? Uh, the dude that went to Toledo. Uh, and now he's at yeah. Mount Union. Hill? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you played him. You played him. He was funny. He was funny, dude, kind of. Um <laughs> But how how did if, so kind of going off what CJ said before? How did um, your time at Eds help you transition to Finley? Now help you transition to OU? You kind of answered it with like mentally, um, you're kind of ahead of uh, that way. But physically, your game obviously you had a great career at Finley. Hopefully, having going to have a great season um, here at OU, and you know the future. Who knows what will happen? Yeah. But like talking specifically more about your game, you're not six foot three you're not six foot six like you're you're under whatever you're however tall you say you may be yeah. I'll always argue that um I might be a little taller <laughs> however like you've you've kind of proven people wrong you know countless amount of times um and now being at the division one level you you did it again so like kind of talk about how you specifically have been able to continue to do that and play at a high level um I would say the biggest thing out of high school is I played hard and like you, like me and you, when we were in high school, like we played like great defense. I was always like a good passer, but I really couldn't consistently shoot. <laughs> and uh, at Finley, the coaches really, after my soft, I was shot in like the 20% from three my first two years. And like that summer going into junior year, that's like all I focused on. And now the past two seasons, I've shot 40. And even at free throws, I'm like good at now, which is shocking. <laughs> we used to have a little hitch in your shot is that is that completely gone yeah it's gone yeah I remember that a little bit you I mean you didn't shoot bad in high school though like yeah. our senior year at least yeah. that's a... <laughs> <laughs> threw them up there I mean some yeah. of them went in the hitch was gone like freshman year right <laughs> uh, I don't know about that that little elbow thing you had going on it was like you're waving your girlfriend up in the first row <laughs> <laughs> so, nah, that. so talking about your game uh you set the school record twice for assists is that correct uh yeah now is that something yeah, that yeah. you took pride in because being real like tommy back in the day like he could pass but i wouldn't say tommy was a pass first type of guy yeah. right like when yeah. you set the assist record twice like you clearly are like consciously trying to you know get your teammates involved and make sure that you're setting uh -huh. the table for everybody was that like something that you really improved upon in college? Because like, if someone would have told me six years ago that Tommy would be like set a school record twice <laughs> and assist, uh, I'll tell them they got some oceanfront property in Cleveland. Because like, that's <laughs> like just, just talk to me about that. Yeah, uh, I would say the level of guys I was playing with, we we had great bigs during my four years at Finley, and obviously there's, it's harder to finish in college. I've gotten better at it over my four years, but I my first few years I was driving the paint, dump down, layup. And then the way we played our junior year at Ed's, like it was always drive kick. So I'm like still engraved to like no mid-range shots or anything, freeze right. layups. In your defense too, our CJ's and mine senior year and your junior year. Yeah. We, we I mean, we didn't have the, the most talent St. Ed's <laughs> ever had. Like we kind of like needed Tommy to score 15 points 
it's a game for us to have any chance in, in winning. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I think I was like the pass first guy. Jack Sullivan was more of the spot up guy. CJ was more of the throw it up to the, to the rim and I'll go dunk it type guy. So we needed Tommy Schmack and Danny Chambers and Calhoun to get 15 each. But I know I think that obviously shows like tremendous self-awareness and like ability to adjust because obviously the college game is, is quicker. You know, you're playing against taller, longer, faster, stronger guys. So, I mean, what if you could say there's one thing now going from D2 to the next level, what what is something that you've kind of focused on this summer or will continue to focus on, you know, this preseason uh, to help improve your game at the next level? So, like I've said, I, I'm pretty much still like layups and threes, but I've noticed it real quick here, like in open gyms, the guys are a little bit more athletic and taller, and I can't really like finish at the, the rim like that. So I'm pretty much just doing all mid-range, like jumpers, floaters, which I've really never had in my game yet. It is interesting because yeah, Being in high school, player. well, yeah, I like like you said, our like no, but like it's it's hard though because we, I mean, we never were really allowed to take those shots in in high school, and you know, you kind of hear nowadays like a three is always better than a two, and right. the mid-range is not good. But when you get to you know, the division one level, you kind of have to take what you get type thing. And, right. and I tell people we did that and they're like, that's crazy. A high school team did that. I was like, yeah, it worked well for us. Yeah. I think it also comes with context of like, you know, right. people our, you have yeah. and also. Like, who on like, our team would you really like say like, school. I want taking multiple mid-range shots a game, like kind of deal though? No, we didn't really have any. Like, like, we, like, like, Kipper was allowed. Kipper was allowed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, yeah. also, Kipper had the game to do that. Like, right. That was his yeah. game. Yeah. Right. But that's it. I, yeah. Gonzo. Gonzo can do whatever he wants. <laughs> no, but that's interesting that you say that, though, because Marion said that same exact thing about like transitioning from uh, Toledo to, to the Pac 12. And he was just saying, like, how every step that you go, guys are a little more athletic in this than the third. Yeah. So you need yeah. to add that in between game because finishing at the rim is much harder the higher you go. Mm-hmm. How many, how many sports center, how many times have you been on sports center so far? Uh, twice. What you got to tell me, like what, what I remember one was like a behind the back, yeah. behind the head pass. Yeah. Was the other one the sh- like that shot that you made? Uh, yeah. I hit a half quarter to win the game. A half. I thought you, didn't you hit one in the corner too one yeah, time? That never got on. It should have. I was going to say that was pretty impressive too. I don't know. <laughs> so you've made it twice. Yeah. Snubbed so, on the third time. Snubbed on the third time. I mean, that's pretty impressive already. Two, two, were they both top 10 plays or something like that? Yeah. I just remember one day I woke up and someone sent me a Snapchat and it was like uh, one of those ESPN Sports Center filters. It was like Tommy Schmack, like over the head pass. I was like, this dude uh-huh. just gets on Sports Center like crazy. <laughs> right? But no, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, my biggest question, most important question from your transition to OU is, is just OU is a party school. <laughs> how are you going to stay away from, you know, Thursday night, Wednesday yeah. night? Well, I don't know what they do uh-huh. at OU, what their big night is. And I don't think Coach Bill Every day of the week time. is a big night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's tough. My little brother has a house here. Uh, but, I mean, I'm hoping – we're going to have stuff early in the morning, and I'm smart enough as a 23-year-old that I can wait till – nights we don't have something the next day that's not the answer i was hoping for <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'll sneakily be out more, but there we go. That's, that's, right. off, that's off the record. But you, so you are, you're 20, you're like the old man now on the team. Yeah, I'm 23. That's crazy. Well, I, no, I will be 23. Right. That's crazy. Then. You're the old guy. Yeah. And uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. You, so you're playing. So for the people that don't know, he's playing this year. One of the players from Xavier that I was around uh, transferred to OU, transferred back to OU actually. And Tommy's playing with him. His name's Jason Carter. Um, talk about maybe your teammates a little bit, Jason, a little bit, because I know Jason and Jason's kind of like a, he's a 24 year old now, but like acts like he's 50. So <laughs> maybe you two will get along. I don't know, but you know, how has the teammate reception been? How is, you know, the introductory to uh, you know, meeting you guys? Pretty accepting. They're all like super nice kids. We don't have like any problems that I've heard from other D1 experiences that you get. Uh, like there's no troublemakers or like guys getting bad grades or anything. And, and they've been all real nice. Like we've gone out on the weekends before and, uh, you know, done stuff off the court. They smiling at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know Tommy Schmack from, you know, when he was 18, 19. I, I don't yeah. know. So that's, that's all. Yeah. We know, we know young Schmack, young Schmack. Right. He's more <laughs> sure now which is good so uh obviously you're a big basketball fan i'm just knowing you personally and stuff like that and uh these nba playoffs were uh electric to say the least obviously getting fans back was was good um just what are your thoughts on the playoffs in general and just and how everything turned out i thought it was sweet it was nice to see like two teams that weren't in it before and haven't really been there in a while and uh you know, it was nice to see, like, guys like Giannis and Book really just show the world that they're up there with the best of them. Who do you want to win that, to be honest? I the Bucks. Really? Mm-hmm. I think you're the only guy I've ever talked to that wanted, wanted the Bucks. The Suns? I wanted the Suns, yeah. Like, Chris Paul, Devin Book, they're fun. Giannis, like, I mean, I guess he turned out to be, like, a good story. Chris Paul or anything. I have one last question pertaining more to, like, Finley and stuff. So – like I said, Finley's got like a rich history in, in basketball. Um, I think my my freshman year and the first couple of days I was at Gannon, we scrimmaged Finley at Finley. And it's like, it's a very unique place. The court's all multicolored, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like gray, black. Yeah, I don't know if it was like that when I was there or not, but it is now. And I, you guys get a pretty, you know, rowdy fan base, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. How is that, you know, because you, you play in a D3 places, playing at D2 places, kind of similar in the, you know, the atmosphere. Yeah. But obviously you went to a, a, a well-known and, you know, pretty fun fan base uh, up in Finley. How was that like? Or what was that like? Because it yeah. seems like it was pretty rowdy most of the time. Home games were a lot of fun. Like we had like our Finley faithfuls that would all come. A lot of old people. So, I mean, like elders, like 65 and up getting free. So it would be filled with them. But we had great fans. It was a lot of fun. Students would come out, but we would go places and there'd be like 50 people there, like in our conference. So, yeah. I mean, home games are obviously better. What is, what is one thing you'll miss about Finley though? What, like if you had to say one thing, obviously like maybe players, you know, atmosphere, whatever, but if you could say one thing. I hate that I didn't go out like playing. We didn't have fans at all this past year. So, I mean, that, I was really looking forward to uh, right. that 
stadium again and seeing all those people, which I didn't really get to see a lot this year. No, that's tough, especially, you know, like I've said already, had a very successful career and I'm sure the old people in Finley, Ohio on their Wednesday night yeah. were really excited to go and see number four, Tommy Schmack yeah. light it up. Nope. But, and go ahead. My boy was almost 40, <laughs> 90 this year, man. They was looking forward to seeing that, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, you go Bobcats, baby. I'm the right. number one fan right now. Yeah, you better be. <laughs> hey, so Tommy, uh, last segment is a quick, quick segment where we just do uh rapid fire. Uh, you got some some company, um, just because you got some something to live up to because Cal Reynolds actually might be our best guest when it comes to answering these damn questions. So I'm gonna need oh, you, right answer? You, I need the quick answer. I need the first thing that comes to your damn mind. You ready? Right. Yeah. Uh what is your favorite favorite snack right now? Uh Pop Tart. I don't even know why I said that, but that's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just... Do you eat Pop-Tarts, though? Like, is that, like, something you eat? They're next to me, so I, it's, like, first oh, Man. All right. Well, um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, to fly. Uh, you get a dinner with three people, dead or alive. Who is it? I'll go Justin Bieber, Drake, and... LeBron. Good music will be played. That's all. Um, <laughs> who would you say would, is, was your role model? Um, I would say probably my dad. Love that answer. Uh, you can travel anywhere in the country. Where would you go? Or world? Huh? LA. The best advice you've ever received or uh, if you had to give advice to somebody that is trying to do some something similar, play basketball, some advice you'd give if you can't think of the best advice? Um, I'd say work on things you're good at because working on things that don't pertain to you isn't really going to help. Mm, that boy, I like that. It's unique. Unique. That boy then got to college and wised up and shit. <laughs> 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 he's about to have two degrees he's about to have two degrees questions uh-huh oh man uh favorite superhero batman oh, bro. um what does the future for tommy schmack hold um most likely after this year i don't know if i'm gonna keep playing or not we'll see what offers come out of this but eventually i want to probably Teach, probably start off in the Cleveland area and just teach and coach. Uh, I put okay. the GA dreams like Sean. Okay. They're great. It's a great time. Excellent. Yeah. I did not like that answer whatsoever, but uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Tommy's going to keep playing for the folks at home, by the way. Okay. But anyway, yeah, yeah. my last question is uh, for the Bobcats fans at home, what are they going to get out of Tommy Schmock this year? Uh, I'll bring it every night. Um you won't see me turn the ball over much. I knock down open shots and I'll pick up 94 feet most times. Hey, that's no One cap. Thing. No, that's no cap. He annoying as shit to go against in practice. Yeah. Cause I already couldn't <laughs> dribble, but he a pest. And I feel like he run on batteries cause bro don't get tired. So OU fans, he is not lying on that one. And I'm sure his condition <laughs> got better the older he's gotten. So he's not lying. You're not wrong. Also just like Tommy shared with us before we got on was his shoulder injury, how he, Tore his everything in his shoulder, popped out, dislocated everything. 
still managed to finish out the season, got surgery, was back, didn't miss a game. So if that's, you know, if you need more reasoning than that, then you're probably an idiot. Um, so obviously best of luck to you, Tommy, uh, on the season. We'll be your biggest fans and we'll be watching closely. So we expect yeah. great things. We'll see Xavier in the tournament. Yes, sir. Championship will meet. Yeah. Let's go. I'll be watching closely. Um, you know, Saturday mornings when the lines be moving on the bed and stuff, but that's that doesn't pertain to you. You stay away from that. All right. That that's my job. All right. <laughs> Wink. Wink. Right. No, right. But, but once again, though, uh glad to have you on. And um it's always good Thank to you. connect with uh with Eagle um alumni and just good friends and good people in general though.